Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. Friendly. Beautiful. Hey, it's Father's Day. I want to congratulate every dad here today. Uh, you are absolute legends, as Pastor Louis said. Uh, we celebrate you today. You do an awesome job. And I know that uh, sitting here will be a wide variety of experiences of fatherhood, and I'm very mindful of that. And I trust this message will be appropriate uh, regardless of where you sit in that spectrum of experience of fatherhood. Uh, some of you may have had great dads. Some of you may not have had great dads. Some of you are great dads. Some of you may feel like you're not. And uh, in all of those scenarios, I trust this message is going to help. There are three things I want to achieve today. Uh, the the, the uh, th- three questions I want to answer, which if you've been reading social media, I put out there. So I did that so that I couldn't change my mind. Uh, in my message, <clears throat> uh, and uh, I'm a pretty decisive person, but i got to say, when it comes to preaching, it's the one area where you're always going right up to the last minute, could that be different? Could... So I just put it out there a week before, so I couldn't do any of that. I'm preaching on three, three things here today. Uh, how much do we spend on average on a Father's Day gift? Question number one, really important, um, but it does get a little deeper than that. Question number two is, why are dad's jokes so very important to society and to your family? That's question number two. Uh, I told you it'd get a little deeper. And uh, question number three, uh, we'll get on to in just a moment. Who wants to know how many, um, how much money on average is spent on a Father's Day gift? Now this is American statistics, so uh, I, g- given how generous the Dutch are, I'd imagine it's higher than this. But on average, it's about a hundred euros, a hundred euros per father. 100 euros per father. Dads, anybody um, not, did anybody not achieve a gift that big today? Please raise your hand and we'll give you an extra burger straight after the service. Okay, beautiful. Now, um, the interesting thing about that statistic is this. I've got a suspicion, I've I got a, a, a big suspicion that most of that 100 euros comes out of dad's pocket anyway. So I don't even know if that really counts, right? At least when my kids buy me a gift it comes straight out of their pocket. That counts a whole lot more. They may not be able to spend 100 euros, but I know it's come straight from their heart. And uh, they may not be able to afford to buy a card, but they will draw one and paint one or whatever it takes. Don't worry about the 100 euros, especially if I've got to pay for it. It counts for nothing. Question number one answered. Everybody satisfied? Question number, question number two, why are dad's jokes, dad's bad jokes, so extremely important? Anybody got a theory on why dad's jokes are really important to your family? Anybody, you don't have to shout it out, but just, uh, just make it up in your own head. Let me tell you the answer, because this is a one-way message. All messages are one way. I'm here to deliver, you're here to receive. You can have your turn when you get home, which you probably do. Preach it one another over lunch. Good idea. But this is my turn. Let me tell you, dad's jokes are, are really important, firstly because they're the only ones who can do them. See, uh, Lisby is, is extremely good at many, many things. Uh, like She's the expert at card writing, let me tell you. You want to receive a card from Pastor Lisby. 
you will feel absolutely amazing after getting a card from her. She writes cards to our kids. They feel amazing. That's entirely the only reason our kids are doing so well today is her card writing ability. However, I've got to say, if she was to share the same joke that I have just shared, it just does not seem to work. It seems to fall flat. Now, uh, that is probably because it is just simply my job to tell jokes. That is, there's something written in the DNA of humankind since the beginning of kind. God made Adam and Eve. He said, let there be light. But he also said, you may not have read it in there, let there be jokes in the male gene. It is just part of how we're wired. Dads have to tell jokes that are so bad the kids have to either laugh or disown you. They don't know they can't disown you, otherwise they wouldn't be fed. Therefore, they laugh. Bad dad jokes are good. Let me tell you why they're good. Anybody interested in why dad jokes are so good? This is for you, Jamie. You were so enthusiastic there. <laughs> a family that laughs together is strong together because laughing connects. A good sense of humor can make kids smarter, happier, better able to cope with challenges, more optimistic, they have higher self-esteem, and can handle differences well. Research shows people who laugh more are less likely to be depressed and may even have increased resistance to illnesses. Experience, they'll experience less stress, have lower heart rates and blood pressure, uh, and have better digestion. A little random, anyway. Uh, a good sense of humor is a tool kids can rely on throughout life to help them see things from many perspectives other than the, the most obvious. It helps them be spontaneous, grasp unconventional ideas, enjoy and participate in the playful aspects of life, and it teaches them not to take themselves too seriously. Now, has someone coming from the land of Mr. Bean? Let me tell you, it's good not to take yourself too seriously. Learn to laugh at yourself and less at other people. <clears throat> Although it's a lot of fun, <coughs> excuse me, laughing at other people. <coughs> this is where I test all the bottle holders. Thanks. <coughs> I rarely need a drink in the middle. I don't remember the last time I drank in the middle. Thank you very much. What did you say? My old PA. You're not so old. <laughs> Learn to laugh at yourself. <clears throat> Take yourself a little less seriously. See, whilst mum is reaching for the medicine cabinet, dad is reaching for the joke archive because we know laughter is always the best medicine, right? So our eldest son, Jake, he, he's, uh, he's had some health struggles recently. Uh, one thing, uh, you know when it all comes together, this is just one thing. He went to a concert and he's had, had a ringing in his ear ever since. <clears throat> so... Um, I asked him one morning, how, how's the ear going? He goes, oh, it's still ringing. So I go, well, what ringtone is it making? <laughs> he goes, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. At which point, he felt a whole lot better, I'm sure. <laughs> and that was the best I could do to care for his illness. But, you know, it works. Guys, dads, if you feel like there are times where you've got nothing but a joke inside of you, don't underestimate what good it's doing to your family. It's making them smarter, more resistant to illness, less stressed. What else did it say? Better looking, better shoppers. I can't remember. Anyway, there was that whole, whole list of things they will be better off for. The third thing 
The third question I wanted to answer for us today uh, is this, and that is, uh, why is it sometimes it seems easier to forgive mum than it does to forgive dad? And uh, there are moments where you will have experienced maybe as a child yourself or if you're a mother or father observed it that kids love to spend time with their mum and uh, seem to love hanging out with their mum and, and then it all goes wrong and they did something they shouldn't do and their mum's chasing around the house giving them an earful and telling her what she thinks and, and then five minutes later it's all like it's all okay again. They're all best friends again. Can we play again now mummy? But when dad, on the other hand, gives an earful, it seems like it takes a month for them to even begin to talk to you again. What is that? What is the reason why sometimes it feels like it's easier to forgive mum than it is dads? And I want to take you through a journey a little bit on why that is and why it's so helpful to understand why that is and what an incredible role fathers play in the family home. I've called this message, I am for you. Everyone turn to someone and say, I am for you. I am for you. Turn with me to Malachi, last chapter, last verse. I can't make this any simpler for you. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. We're going to read the last chapter, the last verse of the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, if you can't find Malachi, look in the contents. It will be the last book. And uh, we're going to go straight to the last verse of the last chapter. And it says this. It says, he, referring to John the Baptist, it's a prediction of what's to come. He says this. He says, he will turn the hearts of fathers toward their children and the hearts of their children toward the fathers. Now, get this. This is, this is the last verse of the Old Testament. You go, well, surely is there nothing more significant that they could be saying to sum up the entire Old Testament and launch us into the New Testament than talking about family life. Now, I think we'd all agree that family life is pretty important to talk about. But to summarize the entire Old Testament, talking about family relationships, to launch us into the New Testament, talking about family relationships, surely we could have been celebrating the old heroes. Uh, surely we could be prophesying about what is about to come, the Christ that is about to turn up, and yet God wants to speak to us about a restoration between the heart of fathers and their children. Not just fathers to children, but children to fathers. There's a responsibility, children, on us to ensure our hearts are right toward our fathers too. It's not just on the father. And, and yet, uh, it doesn't quote there that He's wanting to restore the hearts of mothers. I reckon that's because we've already forgiven them. And as I said, it seems so much easier. But there's this thing that can be a wrestle inside of us with our dads if we're not careful. And I figure that the reason why it's so important, it becomes the bridging verse of the entire scripture, is because when you understand that God is not an icon of Christianity, but he's a father to you, you begin to get the heart of everything that the Bible's all about, and that is, that is this, that Christ came to introduce us to one who caused you to be here on planet earth for a purpose, and that he so believes in you that he will champion you all the way to achieve what he wants you to achieve in relationship with him. He's the ultimate champion, he's the ultimate believer, 
and he's the one who shapes your identity. That's the heart of the gospel, and he's trying to summarize it in, in this, this one word. If you want what the Bible is causing you to taste and thirst after, it's summarized in this. That your heart has to be for God, knowing that his heart is for you. And right in there is the nature of a father. It's no accident that the name of the male parent of a child is a father, and the name of God is father. Surely there are some lessons in there to be learned about what a father has to offer. Not that we're God, please. Don't misquote me. <laughs> Far from it. And there are three things that you could perhaps summarize that we learn from the image of God as Father, and they are these three things. The first thing is this. The Father has a strong influence in forming our identity. That's the, the thought number one. The second thought is this. Our relationship with our Father uh, uh, um, forms in us what we expect from our relationships from others. Uh, and so if, if our Father has mistreated us or, or malnourished us, then that's what we'll expect from relationships. So all men are, are, are bad and, uh, and can't be trusted. And, and so our, our Father sets a role model of how other relationships work. The fruit of our relationship with God should be seen in our relationship with others. It's just how it works. And, and finally, the other thing that God as Father gives us the image of is this, and that is a Father determines how open we are to facing life's challenges. When the challenges come, He gets us through. And these three things give, a, give us a, a very helpful image of what a dad can be to their kids. And so, why is it that sometimes we find it harder to forgive dad than mom? It's because a, a fa, a, in a father, a, a father connects us, I should say, to who we are as a person. A father connects us to who we are as a person. Th therefore, what he does and what he says can resonate at a deeper level than maybe we care to imagine. Any fathers feel a little daunted right now? <laughs> Anybody feeling a little intimidated by our role? <clears throat> Let me just make it a little easier for you. I, I, many years ago, I went to sign up to a gym and uh, I, I picked, un, unbeknown to me, I picked the gym that all the, all the um, weightlifting experts went to. And uh, as you can tell, I love lifting weights. <laughs> Beautiful, thanks. Um, that was the pastors laughing. That was the ex-pastors laughing right there. <laughs> Sipka. English service pastor. <laughs> no, okay. uh, uh, and uh, what, what I actually enjoy, I enjoyed doing the free weights thing, and they had a dedicated free weights room. So it, 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 I, I appreciated it until I walked in there, and I see all these men that obviously spend all day every day in that place because they are three or four times bigger than me, muscularly bigger than me in, in, in that respect. And, um, and they had all, they'd oiled their skin. They were wearing things that were tight. And they spent half their time flexing in front of the mirror, practicing their competition moves. Now, I, 
I get the point that when you're at a weight building competition, most of what you're doing isn't lifting weights, you're comparing body mass. So they're practicing the moves they have to do at these shows, all oiled up, chest shaved, Real men don't shave their chest. I just thought I'd get that out there. But anyway, unless you're a swimmer, maybe cyclist, but otherwise, they did. And they would wax themselves. And it was a little intimidating for someone with a body like mine. I walk over to the, the uh, dumbbell rack. You know, if you've been to a gym and seen the dumbbells, they're all lined up on a rack. You've got the, the five gram weight over here. And then down here at this end, you've got the 50 kilogram or so dumbbell and fortunately it was the other side of the room to what, where they were showing off and uh, you know you sort of wander to the 50 kilogram end of course because that's where you want everyone to see you being and I'm hovering around the, somewhere between the 30 and the 50 zone and, uh, and, and as they look away you, you start to creep back down to the other end and grab the 5 gram and give it a go Anybody ever feel inadequate at any point in your life? <laughs> I think if there's any role in life that can sometimes make you feel inadequate, it's the role of being a dad. You, you sort of know what it's meant to look like. You, 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 you sort of get a feeling of what you're meant to do and how your kids are meant to feel when you're around. And, and you go, I don't know if I do that half the time. I, I don't know if they... I don't know if my kids feel that from me half the time, and it can feel a little bit uh, like you feel in inadequate. And so let me walk you through, through a few things that I've done that has helped me understand that I, as a father, connect my kids to who they are, who they are becoming. And, and these are just a, a few ideas. The first is this, our ability to be careful and how we behave and how we speak when our kids are doing something is incredibly important. We live in a very performance-driven age where performance seems to count. And, if we're not, and, and performance does count, by the way, in, in certain contexts. It's not bad to be ambitious and perform well. And, but when you connect that to who you are, you, there's a default in your character. And there's nothing like uh, being insecure in who you are for you to begin to personalize your failures. It goes like this, I failed, and because I feel insecure, I therefore am a failure. And now dads, we have a, an important role to play to readdress that narrative to say you failed, but you're not a failure. Because who you are is not connected to what you do. Therefore, as fathers, for us to reinforce that, not to, to be careful that we're not um, over-rewarding high performance and over-punishing low performance. I had in the early days when the kids were at school, they'd come home and talk about some of the gifts other parents would give to the children after they'd passed an exam. And I'm like, my goodness, it sounds like you've got out a second mortgage to bless your kid because they've passed a test. What message is that giving your child? Why not do that when they have done nothing for it, maybe? Because fathers, we give out of who we are, not out of what they are. A really important principle for us to develop in our kids so they become robust in their sense of security of who they are. 
Therefore, you know what it's like. As men, we're often doers. We want to do. We want to be active. Your child is doing something. They're not doing it well enough or quick enough. What do you do? You take over. Or they're not doing something well enough or good enough. You tell them. Come on, you could do better. Uh, Now, there is a way in which you can coach a child to do better without using that language. Uh, And so some of these examples I'm giving are going to challenge us men particularly. Because we can't be so performance-do-driven, we've got to be so much more careful with our words and our language and our actions to help not reinforce that our love for them is connected to that. The second thing, then, is our discipline. Uh, When we discipline as, as father figures, it can be interpreted a lot more harshly than maybe when the mother disciplines. And so, in a sense, there are times where we have to restrain a little bit how we communicate our discipline. So it's, in, it's, it's clear, decisive, but loving and kind. We're communicating value in, in, in every moment we do that. The other thing we need to do is be careful when we joke, because we're master jokers. It all comes back to this one. I haven't finished yet. We'll come back to bad dad jokes again later. But there's a sort of a joking that can pull someone down as well. It's got an edge to it. And in our gift of being jokers, we also need to be careful that we don't use that as an edge to pull our kids down. It's okay to laugh at your kids. I laugh at my kids. But you've got to pick the moment well. And you've got to make sure it doesn't cut too deeply. Because it's good to teach them to laugh at themselves, but not to injure their soul in the process. The other thing, which wouldn't surprise you, the greatest tool you have to shape the identity of your child is through your words. Now, if you've been around in church any length of time, you'll know this works. Because when God shapes our identity as our Heavenly Father, how does He do that? He does that through words. You read His Bible. And as you begin to internalize that and believe that, it begins to shape who you are. Well, the same happens between an earthly father and a child. As you use your words to speak into the life of your child so you can shape their identity. And here's the deal. The words of a father will go deeper than the words of anyone else. So a school friend could be saying to, uh, to your child something, and it may hurt them, But because they've got resonating in their soul words from their father that are the opposite, it won't damage them. Because the father has said to their daughter, in my eyes, you're beautiful. You're, You're a princess. So when they're told at school they're ugly, of course it hurts. But inside their soul is resonating the words of their father, I'm beautiful. I'm a princess. They may even begin to laugh at their friends rather than taking it too deeply and too seriously. When you say to your son, you're a champion, you're handsome, you're smart, you can get through this, it begins to resonate in their soul and shapes their identity. And for some of us dads, it will mean us having to say things that are contrary to what we feel at the time. It may even be totally contrary to anything anyone's ever said to us. We have to hold ourselves back from, well, my father never said that to me. Therefore, I am deficient in this area. It's just a choice we make. You're a champion. You're smart. Yeah, but I only got a four. Yeah, but I'm sure they meant to score it out of five. (laughs) No, Dad, it was out of 50. I'm sure they got that wrong. You're smart, son. I don't care what they think. 
I'll help you do better next time. We'll do this, do this together. What do you guys do? It's like the bouncer's trying to get me out of the club. Oh, I've only got three minutes left. You can come on up. Welcome. Welcome. Let's all give the band a hand. We love them. Better than any clock. <laughs> I, I get the point. Pastor, we're hungry. We want burgers. I'm having you in the boxing ring, Joe. Challenge you. And uh, finally, therefore, <laughs> yeah, uh, attentiveness. Your attention is important. King David had a, a terrible moment with one of his kids called Absalom. Absalom had rebelled against his father. It was actually David's sort of fault. And uh, he had just not been leading within the family for a while. And it, it allowed an argument to rise within the family. And Absalom took it on himself that he could rebel against the king and try and take over, which was an absolute heartbreak to David. He had no father at this point. So he only had one place to go, which is actually a really good place to go. And that's to, to God himself as father. You know, you can always know that in the absence of maybe a father who can do some of the things I'm saying, you've always got a father in heaven who trumps even your earthly father. So he goes to, he goes to God and he turns to God and he's crying out his heart to God. And, and he, he uses these words in the Psalms. He says, and felt like God lifted my head higher. Dads, we can lift the heads of our children higher. That's our role. And then he says, and God answered me. Dads, your kids just simply want to know you're there to answer them. That you're available. I've tried to give my children the impression that I'm available anytime. They can call me anytime. My office door, even when it's shut, everybody else knows they mustn't disturb me. My kids don't seem to know that. They seem to just walk in. But I like that. I like the fact they feel they have access. I like the fact they feel that I would have time for them. My youngest son, who will remain, remain, remain nameless, and I would never seek to point him out or humiliate him in any way whatsoever. <laughs> um, there are moments where I, I can be working and he just walks in the room, begins to talk and just offload or share a story of the day or something. And, Sometimes it can take me a minute to even realize he's sitting there talking to me. I'm like, hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. Just give me a couple of minutes. I'll finish this and then I'll try and give him my attention. Because attention speaks of you're valued. You, you mean something to me. And dads, you know, we're famous for fixing things. Even, even our spouses, we fix you. We may not be perfect ourselves, but we seem to know how to fix other people. And uh, isn't it great for your kids to know they can come to you, and even if you have no idea what you're doing, you're giving the impression you can somehow fix whatever it is they're going through. And it may be today that some of us need to fix our relationship. And the image of a father is such that 
They don't know what it is to fix relationships. Let's leave that to mum. But I'm telling you, you do know how to fix relationships. You're good at it. You just have to translate those skills that you use on something else. You can fix your work. You can fix your car. You can fix your... Some of your dads are going, no, I can't fix a car. <laughs> but what do you do? You just do it step by step. You start by saying, how is your, son? How is your day, son? Let him speak. It's not too difficult. It may feel a little awkward. It may feel uncomfortable sharing heart to heart. But here's the other thing. This is my second point. My final point. I'm closing. And that's this. If, if dads connect their children to who they are, what dads also do is they determine how open a child is to facing life's challenges. When you as a dad say to your child, you can get through this. You can make it. Work hard and together we're going to get through that exam a little better next time. Come on, you can do this. You can rise higher. When a mom is picking up their child from the ground because they're bleeding, a dad is going, hey, you've got four more liters left of that stuff inside your body. Get up. When a mom is saying, come down out of that tree, son, you're saying, hey, can you climb a little higher? I'm ready to catch you. You need both those voices into a child's life. There needs to be the voice of care and there needs to be the voice of adventure. There needs to be the voice of caution and the wild voice as well. Fathers have been born to plant seeds of a fighter. Children have been born as fighters. From the moment of conception, there were 200 million chances of a child happening right there. 200 seeds went after that egg and only one survived. Guess who that was? That was you. That puts the London Marathon to shame, the New York Marathon to shame. I don't know how many, what, 50,000 participate? You were in a race of 200 million and you came first. The others died en route. That's a bad marathon. But you made it. You got through. There were 200 of these blighters hanging off that egg, but you got through. You were born a fighter. You were born a winner. And dads, you were born to plant seeds of a fighter. Your job is to help your children believe they can face every challenge and get through it. Let's close our eyes right now. I know the presence of God is going to do something in our hearts here today. Thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him into your life before. Or maybe for some reason you've been, you've been moving away from him. And today I want to invite you to come back to him. Or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now, and I would really love for you to say this prayer with me. And then, straight after this prayer, I would love you to do something for me. But hey, let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past, and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, today, the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.